Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Spotcast, Season 4, Episode 47. My name is Tim Mitchell. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kulain in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there, kids. And we also have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Um, I don't know what to say after that, you know? <laughs> it's going well. It's going well. Um, Alrighty, so, yeah, let's take it with some fact check. So I, I, I just put this in last week. We were talking about uh, Jaime mentioned on our Slack channel, I think, actually. Uh, I can just use that thing that Tim put up there, which I, I didn't remember that was the live conversation or Slack conversation, but justwatch.com is the name of the site that if you want to find out where something is streaming in your neighborhood, you can go there and uh, punch in the uh, your locality and then uh, what it is you're trying to watch, and it'll tell you whether or not West Side Story is on Disney Plus or not. So what do you think, Jaime? Is West Side Story on Disney Plus for you? Yeah, you had reminded me that that was what I had said. <laughs> That was uh, unclear where to watch and using justwatch.com and it seems to pick up my locale. So it knows that I'm streaming in the United States. Apparently Disney plus HBO max are the place. And I guess to round it direct TV and what is this here? Spectrum on demand are the places to watch for free, such as it is on streaming for West side story, 2021. And uh, just a little note here. I'm not sure if anybody's, following this but uh, better call saul season six part two uh airs july 11th and that's that will be the end i guess the last six episodes of better call saul and you know it should dovetail nicely into breaking bad i'm sure you know because they'll get the clipboard out in the last episode and they'll whip through all the you know the part where they make darth vader i was gonna say luke and leia are gonna be born Mm, yeah exactly and you know obviously born to um what's her name uh What's the name of the character in this show? Ugh. Reba. Reba? The actress? Anyway. Oh, uh, oh Rhea Seahorn, right? right? Rhea Seahorn, yeah. 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 yeah, she's amazing. And what's her, What's the character's name? Kim, right? Kim. Yeah, yeah. Kim Wexford. Yeah. I uh, yeah. I still don't understand how she hasn't won an, uh, an Emmy Award for that. She's so incredible on that show. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, well, have they won any Emmys for that? I mean, uh, she, I don't even, I can't recall of the last one. I don't even know if she's been nominated. And I, I find that unbelievable. It's like the first couple of seasons, she was so captivating. Yeah, but she's up against um, Ozarks. Well, right? and she was up against Game of Thrones for a few years there and other stuff too. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough fight, but damn, she's so good. Yeah, definitely. Alrighty, let's move on to the headlines with Jaime Lopez Jr. going first. Yeah, this came in, I think, the day we recorded, so it's a little older now. It didn't squeak into the uh, the news timeline, you know, when we go to the presses. Um, but Beavis and Butthead um, is coming with a special movie to Paramount+. Plus. So Beavis and Butthead do the universe, the sequel to Beavis and Butthead do America from, like, the late 90s, I think, is coming. And they apparently get involved in some timey-wimey things where they, you know, go into space and then space stuff happens and they end up in the modern times. Let's see how they'll deal with that stuff. You guys get a chance to take a look. Yeah. Is, is this supposed to be a lead into the new series or what, what, how are they, what are they doing with this? Is this supposed it's to be re- like, yeah, really unclear what they're doing there. Yeah. I, I I'm, I'm confused is, is what I'll say. Having watched it. Yeah. I gotta say, I've never actually watched an entire or even like more than 30 seconds of Beavis and Butthead in my life. Is that like an, was that MTV born out of MTV? It was. Yeah. Yeah. So I've never, yeah. Probably because I've never really watched MTV back in the day either. So yeah, just never got into it. No opinion. Yeah. Get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would watch this for sure, but right. it's only available on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus. That's right. Yeah. Wait, you can but, use justwatch.com to figure that out, right? Well, no, I mean, they, they're starting to be more and more those South Park mini movies and stuff. Are, it's the same thing. They are committed to expansion in Canada. If you want everything, you you may have to make a choice at some point. Well, it's interesting, yeah. Well, it's interesting that like they're they're reserving that stuff to them because you know I I think I've mentioned many 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 times on this show that, that television in Canada is is up to the buyers kind of thing. It's the same thing with white the stock you get at Walmart or Best Buy. It's all based on what the buyers decide. You know, public wants right. But if if Paramount Plus and well same in the same way that Disney Plus is doing the same thing right because Disney is is sort of setting the here's the stuff worldwide you know you're not getting the sort of split that we get with Netflix and other you know Amazons and so on and so forth you know in here in Canada we get we have our you know um, government sponsored uh, uh, space station and or whatever they call it CTV Sci Fi you know what do you what do you call it Jaime our government government hide hi fi or spy socialized sci fi Socialized, yeah, socialized by yeah. So, so we get a lot of stuff with our cable package that you would normally get on your Hulu's or your um, Sci-Fi's or other things like that, right? So, the fact that this is Paramount property, I guess they don't really don't have to worry about who's distributing it because they're distributing it, and and like Jonathan said, they're getting the money from the, the prescription. And by the way, um, what is it? Is it called Voight Plus on uh, on the boys? Yeah. They just they just dropped that in a, like a comment or two, right? <laughs> Yeah, the, trending on Voight Plus. Yeah. They have uh, the V network too, which is the uh, the the V for her. It's the the women's like oh, W, the v right? V for her. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, really? But what, oh. what do you suppose the V is supposed to stand for on the boys? Uh, pretty sure <laughs> Violet, maybe Velvet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. What was it? I was watching the other day when they used the V word, and and whoever was being talked to. Totally misinterpreted the word. It sounds like something else. Yeah. yeah violent or something like that. I don't know. I can't remember. Off to Mobius Land. Yeah. Poor Jared Leto. <laughs> this one I had to put in because it's just so 
funny. So we had talked uh, way back in uh, February, I guess, when Morbius came out and it tanked at the box office and it was panned and you know and at the time you'll recall faithful listeners that i had said like what a joke it is that sony keeps pumping out these ridiculous obscure you know fourth tier spider-man characters and pretending we should care about them so they someone over there got the brilliant idea well maybe it was just about timing what if we just put it back in the box put it back in the cinemas and try again well, that didn't work out too well last weekend. So they put it back into the theaters and it made $85,000, uh, which I believe was the catering bill for one day on the movie. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. It's it's so funny how bad this movie is and no one cares except for a bunch of people at Sony who clearly lost some money on this. But the funniest follow-up to this is that I've seen a couple of rumors floating around this week. Now, admittedly, they are unsubstantiated, but there's a rumor that they're going to team up the Morbius character from this movie, the Craven character from the Craven the Hunter standalone movie, which I also anticipate to be terrible. And uh, they are going to make an offer to Marvel to extend the Spider-Man character appearances in the MCU in exchange for borrowing Blade so that Blade from the MCU can be in these movies and team up and, and I guess, in a three-way fight with Morbius and Kraven the Hunter, which I still don't want to see. So... uh, I, I truly, I fail completely to understand what Sony Pictures is doing. I, I just, I don't get it at all. I don't, I don't get it. All they're doing is making themselves a laughing stock at this point. Well, I can't speak to the broader strategy such as it is, but the belief online for why they brought this back into theaters is that since it appeared in theaters, the It's Morbin Time meme has picked up a lot of steam. <laughs> so... <laughs> Since his name is, you know, Morbius for the character, and it's a weird play on Morphin, it's Morphin time from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, <laughs> apparently, some guy tweeted back in like November, it's Morbin time. <laughs> and the internet picked this up, and there's like, go search for Morbin time on YouTube. There's all sorts of, um, you know, hoax videos that claim this is where he says it in the movie. And believe me, I've seen enough of those to realize he does not say that in the movie. <laughs> But yeah, that's what Sony supposedly, nobody here actually knows, but the strong belief is that Sony picked up on, you know, the vibe. Hey, maybe this is slowly becoming a, you know, a cult classic. Let's put it back in theaters. And they were not correct. (laughs) (laughs) It was, in fact, not Morbin type. (laughs) Oh, I love it when a plan fails miserably. That's awesome. And over to Jaime, I guess, for the next story. What it is time for is the I Am Groot animated series on Disney Plus coming in August. That is August the 10th. Uh, a series of shorts, apparently, not uh, not full-up episodes. So probably something pretty snackable like the... Um, oh, man, what was the name of the ones? Forky Asks a Question? Oh, you know what? I have not seen those. What I was thinking of was the, the characters from Up, the old man and, and the dog. Oh, yeah, adventures. yeah, Doug Days. Yeah. Mm, right, right. Yeah, no, it, uh, when I when I saw it, that's, my mind immediately went to Forky Asks a Question, because it's the same idea, right? It's just a little, like, six-minute 
you know, short animated bit they put out, I think, you know, a dozen of them or 10 of them or something like that. They were great. And so were the Doug days. They're just, they're fun little, little yeah. videos. Yeah. I think this will be cute. I, I'm, you know, again, it's a fun character. You can have a lot of fun playing with that. I'll be curious to see who's a cameo in those. Yeah. Especially if they can like call in to do their parts. They don't have to actually show up and be filmed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Next one, Jaime. Yeah. There is a new trailer for Strange World, which is not Strange New Worlds. Keep up with me here. So Disney's Strange World is a new animated film about uh, a family of uh, explorers who go out there and, and do exploring and, and wacky stuff happens on the presumed eponymous Strange World. Lost in Space? It does feel a lot like Lost in Space. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Robinson, speaking. yeah. Yeah, I, I I saw it and I was like, well, I mean, it doesn't look bad. It looks half decent. I just, I don't understand why you would make Lost in Space right after Lost in Space just came off the air. Yeah, but yeah, but Lost in Space is based on Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah. So right? I, 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 I still think the timing is confusing. Why would you do it so proximate to something that is so similar? Is this the is Armageddon Deep finished? Impact? I can't thing? remember. Yeah, it just finished last, Lost, last wintertime. Like done, done, no more, no more Lost in Space? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it was only it was three seasons and done. That's that's how they're doing that yeah. one. Okay. Did they get Telephone Centauri? I can't remember. Yes, I guess it did, right? Did you watch the last season? I did, I did. I just trying to remember it was yeah, like, yeah, it wasn't remember it didn't the, stand out. Yeah, Will Robinson and, and the robot saved the day at the end and yeah, the whole thing. Well, I guess it's not. It's a, it's uh the Penny saves the day in the end, but yeah. Okay. Yep. Cool. Yeah, it looks good and I will I will consider watching it, but I'm confused. All right. And next, we got a couple of good trailers this week. Uh, I'll start with the Sandman. So this week is, uh, as we talked about, uh, I think I mentioned maybe at the end of last episode, Geeked Week from Netflix. So they were uh, putting out announcements and stuff. There's a couple more coming up ahead in this uh, this news section. But the Sandman was kind of the big ta-da of this whole thing because, uh, yeah, it's it, it's a one of the most beloved comic properties that has never been developed as another thing. And, you know, there's been famously multiple attempts to make it into a thing. They, you know, they were going to do movies, they're going to do TV shows, they thought about doing an animated version. It's been kicked around for a long time. Again, this series debuted in the late 80s, so it's been around for a while. Uh, the trailer looks pretty cool in my estimation. I mean, it's funny because the first thing that they put out about it was a scene a few months ago, they put out a scene from the first episode, and the scene is pretty captivating. This is very much more like a trailer. It's it's like you know quick hits, lots of you know quick cuts. If you're familiar with the material, there's lots of little you know glimpses of characters and cameos and stuff like that, which you know will, will mean something to you as a person who doesn't know it. I, I imagine it's just well, that's kind of weird. Uh, what did you guys make of this one? I'm unfamiliar with the property, but the the teaser here it looked pretty uh pretty well uh uh well filmed so i was like oh that's got a very distinct style to it i i didn't get i didn't get much else because i didn't understand uh what to what to think yeah no i was gonna say the, i'm only familiar with the comic book covers i didn't have a chance to watch this but uh i've seen seen the books in the stores over the years but that's all i know about it yeah i mean it's 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 a dense piece it, it's a it's a thinky uh it'll be interesting to see how much of that translates although again that first scene that they took from the first episode that they aired as a as a little clip a few months back that was 
pretty bang on word wise and uh, very tone wise felt exactly like it was from the book. And Neil Gaiman himself, who is, of course, the, the writer of this, is very involved in the show. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I, I guess I'm curious, given, you know, Netflix isn't afraid to go for it sometimes. And I will say that to their credit, you know, we, we, we do kind of kick Netflix while they're down a few times around here, but they aren't afraid to take chances sometimes. And, you know, if they think that the best way to make this work is to do a fairly faithful adaptation, I, I think it could be really interesting because it is a really beloved piece of, of content that's widely lauded as one of the greatest works of, of graphic fiction ever put to, to print. So there's a lot of pressure on them, but uh, I mean, it's loaded. There's so many good castings. Uh, there's so many, you know, uh, interesting characters that they can explore. And uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to see what they do with this. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about this one. It says it's coming on August the 5th. That was the other thing that we didn't know before. We knew it was coming in summer, but now we know it's actually starting on August 5th. So mark your calendars. Given, given that you've read the books how do you how do you find it looks from a graphic point of view like how does does is it faithful to the to the drawings and stuff or it is i mean salmon is an interesting one so very often when you get uh a series like the sandman often it will be written and drawn by a small number of people so that there is consistency in this case Sandman, the original series, is 75 main issues plus one special. So 76 issues in the original story. And Gaiman wrote it all, but there must have been 10 or 12 different artists. And each little sort of story arc, the different artists kind of do their own thing with it. And that's the hardest part to capture. So it would be hard to say that it looks faithfully like those things, but I think you can still capture an overall mood if you're if you're consistent. It'll be interesting to see if they do subsequent seasons, if they do do you know play with lighting, play with makeup, try and do things a little differently to sort of differentiate, or if it'll just be across the board. But uh, I mean. That one scene that they did show, which where you see uh, the the cult members gathering together to try and and capture death and uh, and and accidentally capturing dream, it's um, it it's like some of it is word for word from the book, and like the it sets look very much the same. Like it's it's pretty impressively faithful so far. Cool. All right. Next trailer we got was the Black Adam trailer. Now, this was not a Netflix piece. This is another Warner Brothers kick at trying to do a superhero story. And uh, this is the Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Black Adam. Black Adam for uh, people who are not as familiar with the... As we start digging deeper into the uh, the obscurity of... DC Comics characters, Black Adam is a sort of an anti-hero. He is, you know, somebody who, you know, fights for his own sort of sense of justice, kind of punishery. Uh, he has a code and he's sort of willing to do whatever it takes to sort of, you know, do what he thinks is right. But what he thinks is right is not necessarily what other people would think is right. And of course, he's uh, massively powerful picture basically a, a meaner version of shazam 
So, right, yeah. uh, and 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 from the comics, famously is a, is a um, uh, counterpart, uh, a, a foe for Shazam. I imagine that part of this will be to set up a Shazam Black Adam conflict down the road, since there is a Shazam two coming in the not distant future. I got to be honest. I mean, I'm, I will watch this for sure. I will not go and see this in the theater, but I will watch this for sure. Just because I, while I do not give a rat's backside about, uh, black Adam as a character, this characters he's fighting against that we see in this trailer are the justice society of America, which we've never seen done in well in live action. It's been done in small, small scale in, in some shows, but, uh, you know, Dr. Fate, Hawkman, and uh, I thought I saw Adam Smasher in the trailer there. So some interesting characters that have not really been given their full due in, in live action and certainly not in cinematic action. So I would like to see some of that stuff. Uh, you know, Pierce Brosnan's playing Dr. Fate. That's kind of neat. But uh, not enough to get me to go to sit in a movie theater and watch this and, and pay for it beyond what I pay for my streaming services. So, so are you guys DC characters or... What's that? Yeah, these are all DC. Yeah, these are all DC Comics characters. So you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman universe. Um, but yeah, I have a tough time getting excited about going in and <laughs> anything DC. Yeah. yeah, paying money to see this. You guys? Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with Hawkman, obviously from reading comics back in the day and TV shows and stuff like that. So I'm probably familiar with some of the characters. And but uh, yeah, I mean, I had no, I couldn't, I didn't. I guess there's no way in the trailer to make connection between. Black Adam and Shazam, like you said, right? So, and Shazam, I only, I mean, I kind of, I kind of knew the story. I, I knew the story of Shazam, you know, you know, uh, back in the day, you know, just sort of the kid that says Shazam and turns into the superhero. But that's as far as it went until, of course, the movie came out and we got to see, you know, the sort of it was sort of big with a cape, you know. Yeah, and actually, I got to be honest, I enjoyed that movie. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it was great. I liked that. I liked that one for sure. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. It's like Tom Hanks in Big, but yep. with a cape. Right? Yep, a hundred percent. All right. I mean, did you, did, did this entice you in any way? Were you, are you excited for this? I'm excited to see it, but my, my desire about seeing it in the theater or not is still tempered by, you know, COVID stuff going on in the U.S. So it's hard for me to say, you know, come October, will I feel comfortable? Will I want to see this one? I'm probably more interested in seeing it than, than, than you are, I think. Uh, I enjoy the Rocks movies in general. I kind of know what I'm getting in for. and having enjoyed uh, the Shazam movie and, and what I see here, I'm like, yeah, it seems good. It uh, seems like a, like a fun one to watch, but I would love to have a streaming option just to feel better about it too. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to wait for the airplane ride or <laughs> something before I watch this one. Yeah. Maybe. Over to you, honey. Yeah. Not much information here, but apparently Netflix is getting an animated Ghostbusters show from the folks who made uh, Ghostbusters afterlife. So I'm I'm interested in yeah in similar, that similar to the uh, similar to the cartoon that they used to have on Saturday mornings kind of deal right w- will it be known as the real Ghostbusters Afterlife <laughs> I kind of wonder oh, about that maybe. too and you would kind of hope that yeah, why not resurrect the uh, the animation style and have the exact character models I don't know where the voice actors are at the moment hopefully they're all still uh, around but. Uh, would be interesting to do that, right? Since they've they've done so much with the the cast. So it's been so long since I saw the real Ghostbusters. Was it the actual um, people who were in the movie that did the voices no, in the cartoon? No, 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 no. Okay, no, it was they were decent. 
approximations. Lorenzo Music did the voice of, of Peter Venkman, the same guy who did Garfield right. in the old cartoons. Mm. Yeah, I think I recall you mentioning that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm I, I, I'm curious to see what they come up with. So next is up to this Marilyn Monroe thing. Yeah, I'll read the title here because I feel like it tells you everything you need to know. It is Blonde, Everything You Need to Know About Netflix's New Adults-Only Marilyn Monroe Movie, which is going to star mm. uh, Ana de Armas. So how, how can they control that? It is, uh, I saw this in the article where, so it's an, in, uh, let me make sure I'm careful because I think they give a difference between U.S. versus other folks. Um, an NC-17 rating. Oh, I see. Okay. So we get to watch Anna de Armas play Marilyn while she has like relations with somebody actor playing John Kennedy or Joe DiMaggio or whatever else. Like what, what's the, I mean, uh, that's an unusual direction to go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It sounds like, uh, what is it? Is it like the Brown bunny? from? Oh yeah. Like 20 yeah, years or, ago. The, yeah. The, well, and there's been a few movies like Henry and June. There's been a few movies that were like legitimate, but also pretty explicit. Mm, yeah. Oh, it, I found the rating on the opposite end of that. Uh, so the film is NC-17 in the US of A, and the equivalent is an 18 rating in the United Kingdom. Don't, don't know what Canada uses. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that there's probably uh, either a single X or an R or something. I don't know. I'll have to, we'll have to address that one for next week's faction. Don't we have a PG-17 or something like that? Or like no, I don't think it's a PG-17. There may be an AA oh, Pretty good 17, maybe? Pretty good 17? <laughs> pretty good, yeah. 17-year-olds will sit through this one? Yeah. Uh, speaking of Netflix's Geeked Week, as I mentioned earlier, uh, today I saw this as Geek Week continued, Geeked Week, I should say, uh, continues... Uh, Inside Job Season 2 was announced today, and uh, I think I mentioned that on a previous show. Inside Job is uh, sort of a spiritual successor to uh, Gravity Falls, a much beloved uh, um, short-run series on uh, Disney. It is uh, it's it's one of my favorite Netflix shows. It's uh, it's sort of very over the top. You know, these people who work for this sort of you know black art black ops sort of wing of the of the government, keeping the secrets that the government wants to keep kept secret, like uh, lizard people living among us and uh, all kinds of conspiratorial things that seem ridiculous but are actually true. It's uh, it's it's such a fun series, and I'm I'm really looking forward to that one coming back. My uh, youngest son and I have really dug the first season so we're, we he was just asking me a couple weeks ago he said when, when, when are we getting season two or it's technically it's not season two it's season one part two i believe is how they're referring to it but uh, uh, a second right. chunk of episodes anyways yeah i'm pretty sure i watched that this one where they have like the sort of war room and and one of them's an alien and like that yep yeah okay yeah i'm pretty sure yeah it's that. good it's really I, I thought it was funny um, I will just uh, do some real-time follow-up and tell you that apparently the ratings in Canada are GPG 14A and 18A. 18A accompaniment is uh, persons under the eight year, 18 years of age or uh, younger must be accompanied by an adult. Take your grandma. Yeah, come on, grandma. We're going to watch a dirty movie. She, uh, <laughs> yeah, she might. Oh, and then there's, of course, there's R. R is restricted, 18 people or older, and then there's A, admittance restricted to people 18 years of older. Sole purpose of the film is the portrayal of sexually explicit activity and or explicit violence. Really? So perhaps it will be rated A here in Canada. Who knows? We won't know until we see it. Yep. Or then we'll be able to unsee it. Who knows? <laughs> or do you have any? 
Yeah, I know we've talked about the um, animatronic or stuntronic for Spider-Man that's um, built for the Disney California Adventure Avengers Campus thing, where it's supposed to uh, swing, you know, like on a web, on a web rope and, and do flips and stuff. This is a link to blogmickey.com where somebody has an Instagram video of that device failing. And it, it kind of looks horrifying because it looks like a person crashes into the building. <laughs> but be very clear, this is an animatronic that looks like Spider-Man. It's not, it's not a, a stunt actor or anything. So uh, you can even hear the, the crowd is a little, um, a little <laughs> aghast. I think they know it's not real, but it still kind of makes you wince because it, it doesn't look like a machine. Well, wasn't it, there was that uh, the series a number of years back, right? It was uh, or the the play that was on Broadway very shortly. It was Turn Off the Dark, Spider Man Turn Off the Dark, where like mm-hmm. a number of performers who were doing the stunts got badly got injured, injured yeah. and had to close yeah. early. And yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. that's that. That was where my mind went immediately with this one. Okay. So Apple's got a movie about their ports coming up? Yes. It's all about the Apple ports. Uh, so this one seems like it's uh, it's been brewing for a while. Not terribly surprising, but interesting. So Deadline reported today that uh, Marvel Studios has uh, hired a director to work on its Thunderbolts movie. So Jake Schreier is apparently set to direct the, uh, the new film. But they haven't even announced the film yet. So it's interesting. Like, But apparently it is going to be essentially a, a Suicide Squad-esque type of uh, adventure. Now, Thunderbolts, for those who don't know, is a comic book that ran uh, for a very long time, probably a decade and a half at least, that centered around the idea that Zemo, who you guys are both familiar with from uh, from Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and of course from Captain America: The Winter Soldier, or sorry, Civil War, Captain America: Civil War, uh, Zemo basically assembles a group of villains, disguises them as heroes, and then is sort of working both sides of the the fence, leading this superhero team. The rumor, according to this piece, is that potential stars in this Marvel Cinematic Universe version could be Zemo, Yelena Belova, so the new the new Black Widow, um, the Taskmaster, Abomination from the Hulk movie, who we, we've you know seen uh, teased in a couple of other trailers, uh, the U.S. agent, of course, uh, John Walker from from Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and even maybe even Winter Soldier himself, Bucky Barnes. This is. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting that they've gone as far as actually, according to this, hiring uh, Schreier, who you know um, has you know done a bunch of other stuff. Uh, he did a movie called Paper Towns. He's done you know a bunch of different uh, projects. It's interesting that he's already been hired and is is a you know go ahead and work on this thing. When Marvel's pretty famous for sort of pushing out two three years down the road and telling you what they're working on. So it's interesting that they've. This is all out there, and they haven't actually announced they're doing this officially. Cool. So it's like a Suicide Squad Marvel version? Is that the gist? I'm not familiar with the comic, <laughs> but that's what it kind of sounds like. Yeah. I guess the difference, differentiation between Suicide Squad and this is that the Suicide Squad are criminals being criminals, doing heroic things to get their sentences cut. And if they 
don't do what they're told, they get killed. The Thunderbolts, the idea is that they organize themselves under Zemo, and they are portraying themselves as the good guys while really being the bad guys. So similar in that it's sort of the bad guys doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Yeah, but but there's definitely a tonal similarity for sure. I see. But it'll, cool. it'll be interesting. I mean, there are enough of those sort of gray area MCU characters, as I, as I listed off some of those ones earlier. There are enough that are sort of, you know, willing to take a life if they feel like it's necessary and, you know, all that stuff. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if this comes together. I, just in the same way, I mean, we've talked about it on previous episodes, but they've been telegraphing that they're going to do a Young Avengers type project. They've been telegraphing that they're going to do a Thunderbolts kind of deal, too. Um, I think that's where the Julia Louis-Dreyfus character uh, that we've seen uh, um, show up in, in a couple of properties now. I think that that that's maybe where this is. She's she's leading towards Thunderbolts, but it'll be interesting to see how they bring it all together and and who's involved. And uh, but I mean, people, you know, I mean, you guys remember the memes that were coming around about you know dancing Zemo and you know some of these characters. But like Elena was probably the best part of the Hawkeye series. You know, like maybe the dog, but you know, there's there's a lot of characters in here that people like too. So it kind of makes sense to give them a little more screen time since people like them. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, we're at the main part of the show where we talk about Star Trek, something or other, and uh, we'll do a little bit of Obi-Wan Kenobi as well, and I think that's it, right, for today? Well, I've got Ms. Marvel. Maybe we'll do a little little high-level okay, Ms. We'll Marvel. Do, we can, little yeah, little high-level yeah, I mean, boys, little high-level Stranger Things. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, cool. So, yeah, so this week we're talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I think it's episode six, if I'm not mistaken. Six, yep. Yeah, the title is Lift Us Up Where Suffering Cannot Reach, and... I don't know that I necessarily understand the title connection. Anyway, we start off Captain's Log, Stardate 91943, Mark 7. And we're entering the Magellan system, in which Pike was apparently there 10 years ago, suffering under a, pul- a pulsar, and he says that's why you don't remember, you will never forget that. He meets up with O'Hara in the lift, and she's all sore after combat training, and he realizes, oh yeah, you're studying with Noonien Singh this week, you're doing your security rotation. And uh, he just sort of teasingly says to her, watch out for lesson number seven. And she says, what's that? And he kind of like lips his, does a zipper thing on his lips and walks out. And as she gets to the uh, the bridge, La'an is wait- waiting for her and uh, says, nice of you to join us. Are you well rested? And turns out that uh, we start learning the, um, of the many lessons that we're going to learn about security. Ortega reminds her that lesson number two of security is there are no breaks uh, because threats don't take breaks. Mm. So they find, uh, as they're uh, traveling around this, this uh, ch- uh, planet that they're doing some cartography with, they're, they're, um, they see a small shuttle that's under attack by a small combat cruiser, and uh, they're both non-Federation, and I think the combat cruiser fires at the Enterprise, which make, makes them you know, get all upset and angry and stuff. And, um, so, and, you know, and, pi- and basically, pipes, like, you know... Uh, does a whisper of damage to <laughs> yeah like 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 a little fly sort of like a little fly kind of gnatting away at them kind of thing right and uh so you know they uh, no response to hails and so uh they open a channel and and an open channel and uh pike tells them to stand down and at which point the little the little cruiser kind of you know bites their ankle <laughs> You know, and uh, and he said something about little dogs. You know, the littlest dog is always the one that charges, and 
he says, you know, let's let's just you know give them a little taste. We'll just set up the phaser. Ohura set up the phaser just for like a little tap and. And as she fires, um, the the combat cruiser flies, it turns and flies into the uh, um, the beam and, and ends up uh, getting destroyed. So, unfortunately, right? And then uh, the shuttle, which that the, the was being chased by this thing, um, communicates with the Enterprise, saying, you know, they need need rescuing because they're having trouble with their shuttle, and so they beam the passengers on to the Enterprise. And of course, they go to the transporter room and we see you know three characters beam beam in and of course one of them is Alora who had met Lieutenant Pike back in the day and obviously there's there's some some um uh you know flirty sort of look looks at each other as they you know kind of smile at having seen each other that for, was a real for, Kirk for moment there yeah definitely yeah it's funny the, the this show this particular episode is very reminiscent of of a, a original series kind of storyline in terms of where we're going to go with this, right? Um, anyway, so the other two characters are Elder Gamal and some young kid that they refer to as the First Servant. And uh, so Pike and, uh, and Alora have a little flirty chat about, you know, his uniform and, you know, the fact he's captain now. And he turns to Una, who just kind of look, gives, her, gives him that and what's my name look, you know, <laughs> as uh, he can't remember Una's name. And then he eventually... Uh, Barks out. Oh, it's a, it says it's Una Chen Riley, which we saw her name signed last year on the on the or last week on the Scorch, which I didn't mention. But um, so the the elder says he needs to take the kid to sick bay. So they they, they head down to sick bay. Meanwhile, we go over to sick bay, and Embega is reading to his daughter again, and she you know gives him uh, grief because he's he's reading this rereading the same chapter he read last time. And the daughter, whose name is uh, Rukia. Um, he puts her basically says you have to get back in the buffer and you know I'll I'll bring you back out when I can kind of thing and you know and she, he sort of says how long have I been how long have I been in here and he doesn't answer her um nurse chapel knock you know pings his door and tells him that there's some patients coming and they need his attention so meanwhile in the in the ready room Alora is explaining about this first servant uh, child who is basically chosen at birth in a lottery and it's their their sort of their life to to embody the maxim of uh, these people, the jealous people, and um, you know they embody science, service, and sacrifice. And da, da, da. Um, the first certain, uh, first uh, servant was on the moon doing studies and that kind of stuff. And when they were attacked by the by this alien race, and she has no idea who they are, and perhaps since they're close to his the uh, servant. Uh, servants ascension they were probably trying to you know get them for ransom and because they know will he's so valuable to them as a as a entity that they'll pay anything pretty much to get him back right um so you know uh pike says you know we will have to check the crash site and she's like oh no no don't bother with the crash site it's, everything's fine there's no big, no reason to check the crash site and he's like well we have to because they fired on us you know and they fire on a, a starfleet regulation we have to go down and and check it out, and she says, "Well, I'm going to come down too, and make sure you guys don't touch anything or whatever." So, in the sick bay, um, the little boy who doesn't really have a name—they just keep calling him the first servant—has um, signs of a head trauma in, on the scan that Christine Chapel is doing on him, and uh, she's about to pull out a, a instrument to sort of just do some minor repairs. And uh, this, the elder says, "Don't touch him with your your crappy equipment, and it's so primitive." And um, 
so uh, the doctor adjusts the, the 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 other the elder takes the thing and and clearly knows how to operate this, this primitive technology and scans and checks his bi- his quantum bio implants and apparently the the um, you know they're talking the, the both the kid and and the doctor are talking or the elder is he's a doctor but I'm going to refer to him as doctor but. He, uh, they talk about how primitive the sick bay is and these rudimentary equipment that they have. And the little kid sort of spouts out, yes, my implant, my implants re- rebuild biological functions using quantum mechanics. And so they're like, ooh, quantum mechanics, oh, shiny. And uh, they ask him if he's a doctor. He says, well, I was a doctor until I became the father of the first servant. So his, he's basically given up his role to, to basically take care, of this, take care of this kid. And Meanwhile, Christine notices that the kid's already starting to improve on the scanner, right? So on the on the biobed scanner. Bambega, of course, is like, what's this technology? Perhaps I could use it for my daughter without, you know, saying so much. And he sort of asks them about that. And, uh, of course, the elder, you know, tells them they have no disease on their planet because of this, this technology that they're able to use, right? So on the crash ship now, Aruhura uh, and Nunyan Singh are coming in with phasers drawn and they're looking for life signs and... Things like that, and Orhura touches a, a goes to touch a panel, and of course, you know, uh, Nunyan Singh says, "You flunked lesson number three, you know, security. Don't touch anything. You know, use your tricorder because if you touch something, like on a Klingon ship, for instance, the last thing they'll do is is make the the ship blow up just by you touching a panel, kind of thing." Um, and Orhura says, "Well, there's no danger here. You know, she uses her tri- tricorder and finds that they've erased all the the memory banks on the uh, on the ship, right? So." Meanwhile, Spock, who's digging through the debris, finds uh, some uh, a skull cap looking tech, sort of a little yamaka thing with like extra arms on it, and kind of goes hmm and raises his eyebrow and that kind of stuff. Uh, Alora comes in and she's uh, with with Pike and she digs around. She finds a coin and she explains that this coin is an oath coin that they give to the guards to protect who are protecting who give their lives to to protect the first servant. And uh, she she's curious now as to why. They would find one of these coins on the ship, and she's she she Pike discussed you know going and questioning the guards. She suspects one of her guards is is involved in the kidnapping plot, right? So you know, of course, you know he's like, well, you know, you can hang around here as long as you like, and she's like, no, 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 we have to get back to the planet to continue the ceremonies. We've got a lot of stuff to do. My schedule's full, you know. And he goes, well, I'll come with you. And she says, well, no, foreigners aren't welcome. You can't come. It's like a whole private thing. And he goes, well, what about friends? Are you allowed to have friends? And so they kind of, you know, wink at each other and, uh, you know, they look at their boots and decide about how nice they'd be looking, knocking their boots together. <laughs> but um, so I'm using how I'm used. I've never heard that expression before, but I'm, I'm going with it. Um, so she decides uh, she when she's down on the planet, she's going to shake the tree is, you know, and find see what falls out is, is what uh, Pike says. And she's going to, you know. Uh, inspect the guards and see what's going on. And and as she says this, uh, uh, Pike, you know, unclips his phaser because he's expecting, you know, danger. Will Robinson kind of things going on, right? Spock shows up on the on the uh, sick bay and shows the skull cap to the elder elder Gamal. And uh, of course, he's never seen this before. I don't know where you got that from. I have no idea what that is. Uh, and and uh, Spock says, "Well, I've checked it out, and it seems to be some kind of neural neural dampener, and it just happens to be child size, you know. So perhaps it was meant to be used on the on the young youngling. And uh, you know, of course, the, uh, the doctors, I've never seen that before. I have no idea what you're talking about. And so the kid speak pipes up and starts questioning Spock because he recognizes he's the uh, the the um, science officer, and he basically tells him his internet setup is crap. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty harsh." <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like, you know, he, he questions him technology. Well, I, I, I know people that do that at my house, right? And probably at your house, too, right? <laughs> I get it constantly. So, yeah, yeah, you do. I'm sure you do. But but anyway, um, yeah, so the network's crappy. You know, I can't believe you're using this primitive. I was going to, you know, I think I may get a couple of cans and some string to to rebuild your, your network with this, with this bio bed. And, of course, they tell them not to. And, of course, you know, tomorrow's a big day. We have to get ready for the big day kind of thing. So back on the planet, uh, Alora is telling me it's the eve of the ascension of the first servant, and um, you know, and so she she uh, asks the guard. She has them all lined up, and she's going to do an inspection. And she says, you know, I, I want you to renew your vows, and and I want you to show me your coins. So they all wear a coin around their neck, and of course, one of the guys has a damaged coin. Of course, he does, right? And sort of as soon as he realizes or she questions him about that, he bolts and starts running, and they all chase him. And you know, here I'll take the shortcut and. Uh, Pike ends up, Pike ends up um, knocking him down and and uh, you know, holding his phaser on him and that kind of thing. And they surround him, and she she's like, I just want to talk. I just want to find out what's going on. And and as she gets close to him, the the guard pulls a knife on her and and you know puts a knife to her neck. And you know, glory to whoever, Planet Seven or whatever. Um, and she uh, does a sort of you know uh, Michelle Yeoh combat move and and gets out of his hold and. Uh, turns around and ends up falling on top of him, and the knife ends up in the guy's heart, and he get he reaches over and just finishes the job kind of thing himself, right? Um, meanwhile, we see Ka- uh, uh, Kirk, uh, Sam Kirk, on in the uh, in the mess hall talking to Uhura about you know how uh, difficult it is to work with uh, uh, Lon as Lana shows shows up, and of course he's like, I gotta go out of here because I'm you know I'm like averse to work and difficulty and. I figured he says pain reverse, I think he says, right? Um, so Lana explains to, she brings a box, a shoebox full of, uh, of um, floppy disks to uh, uh, Uhura and says, uh, these are these are memory chips that I found on the ship and I can't, you know, I kind of took I took them without taking them kind of thing, you know, and, and uh, she's like, isn't that against the rules? And she says, well, lesson number six is you got to bend the rules occasionally. So she wants uh, Uhura to, to decipher them and figure out what, what they say and that kind of stuff, right? Meanwhile, back on the sick bay, the you know Nurse Chapel's looking at the scanner, the biobed scanner, and the kid's cured, and he's he's better than he was before, and uh, can't can't believe what's going on here. And um, I think actually Embega says I don't know if Nurse Chapel was there, but uh, so Embega uh, says, can I ask you doctor to doctor, like you know, suppose I had there was an eleven year old kid with cellular degranulation, like you know, could your quantum implants fix this thing? And of course, you know, as you as you, as you do, you know, you say, "Well, I'm sorry, we can't share our tech with you. That would be illegal." And so, you know, there's no way I could tell you how how this this would work. Meanwhile, we, you, you camera pans over to the kid, and and his eyes are open. He's actually listening to the story as as he's being he hears what the elders telling the doctor. And uh, so, back on the planet, as Ty- Jaime predicted, Alora and Pike knock boots. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> good good ten minutes wasted knocking boots, I guess. Um, and you know, of course she's the old Star Trek, Star Trek trope. Oh, you should stay here and be one of us and then you can join us. And he tells her the story about how, you know, in 10 years he's going to have this accident and there's nothing that, that the Federation doctors can do to, to solve it. And, you know, I'm just going to be really bad. And she's like, well, you should totally come here. Our doctors have all this tech they can fix you as long as you become one of us, you know, as long as you join with Landru, right? Um, you guys remember Laundry, right? Oh, yes. Yes. So, Uhura has found um, 
found more information than than the bare minimum uh, as Lahana Lana she would expect we should get. Uh, she's found more. Um, she's found things about the roots of the language and uh, shows that there there's more to it than this. And and she shows uh, seeing the report and uh, she says, uh, you know, tell me what the captain says. He says, no, 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 this is your work. You should present it. And and at which point, as we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, she says yes, sir, to. You know, a female saying to another female, she said, yes, sir, because to the senior officer. And which, of course, comes from the, which makes total sense, because back in the early Star Trek, um, you know, you refer to the senior officer as a, as sir, as opposed to ma'am or whatever. Um, and Mega comes into sickbay now, and uh, he hears kids playing, of course, you know, guess who those are, those kids are, right? And so the, he finds that the first servant has figured out how to get the kid how to get her out of the buffer and and they're playing he's made a hopscotch game for her to play and so mbega is like you know you got to get back in bed and he picks her back up and puts her in bed and basically sends her back into the buffer for another chill session and um you know the kid talks about you know how he he asks her how he figured out you know how to get her out of the buffer and he's like well i checked all your computers i couldn't find anybody that you know of that description so i you know, sort of figured it out and figured that's this is where I would put you if I wanted to hide kind of thing, right? And um, so, uh, which I guess now that I think about it, they have to, that, that comes up, comes up later in the show, in the episode as well. So Uhura um, has, or, or, or number one, and Uhura get uh, Pike to beam up and he's like, what's so important that I had to stop my, my boot knocking to come up here and and look at this uh, this message. What what could you tell me? And of course, it's, they wanted to tell him in private without you know Alana around. And um, basically, they find that that based on the roots of what they found, the these this the language is the same as as uh, the Vigilis, and and in fact that these people are descended from from them. So and and the sort of question is why would you leave such a paradise as as Majalis to go off and live on this this uh, I think they called it um, Prospect Seven was the planet that they, they that these these people are coming from right yeah why would they leave Paradise anyway so meanwhile Elder and the kid um, have left uh, the sick bay and now they're actually standing in the transporter and of course Captain gets called down to the transporter room and um, as they were arguing somebody beams both of them off and he's like get them back Kyle and so cause it wasn't Kyle that did it so Kyle does something some fancy smancy stuff and he ends up bringing back the, just the elder and the, the kid is missing and they pr- presumably on the other ship which again is not one of these baby combat combat cruisers little fisher price cruiser i guess um and it's trying to go to warp and and of course uh, so pike says throw a tractor beam on them prevent them from going to warp kind of thing and and meanwhile the the ship even though it's in a in a being held in place uh, tries to go to warp anyway, and um, so as he says, well, you got to let him go. We can't hurt the kid, and so they let the ship go. And as they do, uh, as he disengage, disengages, he command he gives them, and the cruiser ends up blowing up because it's going to warp and it's being held back and kind of thing, right? And so of course now he's got to explain to Alora, and she's she's pissed because you know you were going to protect them, and now our you know our lives are ruined, and we're going to fall into the sea or fall into the lava because actually the 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 people li- again. I don't know how people evolve in these kind of situations, but you know, they're, the planet is floating above uh, the lava fields. It's cloud of, of City, basically. Yes, yeah, yeah, Cloud City, exactly. That's, that's the title. Too. Um, I was waiting for you to get to this point to say that's where the title comes from, <laughs> and it, it comes together at the end. Oh, lift us up where suffering cannot reach. Okay. Oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, 
Oh, yeah. So Laura's pissed, you know, like uh, you said he was safe and our world is over. We're going to fall into the lava and we're going to die. And, you know, if, if the first servant doesn't ascend, we'll, we'll fall to our deaths kind of thing. And uh, he's like, how could all this depend on the, the, the one kid? Like, don't you have another kid you could put <laughs> use for this or something? And uh, so on the ship, on the bridge now, they're trying to figure out how this could have possibly happened. And Uhura sort of says, I kind of know. And she accuses Eldar and he's like, you know, you're delusional. It couldn't possibly be me. And she says, well, I happened to check the records. And there was a full full bio scan of, of the kid. And of course, you know, he's like, well, I'm a doctor. Of course, there's a full scan of him. And she says, yeah, but you also made a scan of yourself, a bio scan, bio, scanned your bio pattern. And with having the bio patterns and sending that information over to, it's like the public key, right, Jaime? If you send that over to the other ship, then then they can you know, lock onto you and beam you off. And that, uh, and of course, that's lesson seven: leaves no stone unturned, as uh, Sun Nunya Singh is uh, apt to tell us. Um, so Spock calls uh, Pike down into deck seventeen. He says, "I I found a distress signal," and uh, he starts walking around. And he says, "You know, I was thinking about this, and the kid was telling me about how he, you know, how his network was so much better than my network, or his internet was better than my network." So. You know, I checked it out. I, I monitored that that signal, and so I found this distress signal on the on this channel. And they, he starts, you know, he's got a scanner, a tricorder, and he walks up to these pods that are there, and he finds the kid is actually inside the the pod. And so they they open him up, and he's like, "Oh, let's go play some games and let's have some fun." And the kid's like, "No, no, I got to get to the ascension. It's got to happen now." And it's already started, and I'm already late. So. They take him back down, and uh, so Pike goes down to the planet with the with uh, the Laura, and you know they go through all the ceremonies and stuff like that, and and uh, she you know she says, well, you know, you, they're so grateful to you for saving his life. You get to come and actually witness the ascension, kind of thing, and they go down there, go down into the chambers or whatever it is they're going to do, and and uh, so Pike's like saying to her, uh, how come you didn't tell me that these people that are attacking you are actually you guys like you know they're they're not a different race and then it takes a dark turn and then uh, uh we see una goes into the brig oh by the way it's the first time we've seen them use the brig they said they had sent the doctor to the brig i forgot to mention that and um you know which una's like oh or not una but lana's got oh we get to use the brig and uh so which doesn't look anything like the original brig i always thought the original brig was was cool because it was like a room and they just had this like light beam doorway right yeah, and, and, it you know, felt and, very um, U.S. penitentiary-ish compared to the original series. But the one they set, had him in today? Yeah. I just thought it was like a boardroom he was in. It wasn't really... It was not a sexy, uh, you know, yeah. looking space. Like, I, I don't know. I guess what I mean. Like, just even for, the, like, the 60s tech. I mean, they even used the same thing with, with the con movie a couple of years ago, right? Where, you know, you can't see... There's nothing you can see, but we know that there's this, you know, impenetrable light light field kind of thing that keeps them in the brigs kind of thing right um and it's funny because you know you can see through the brick see through this thing and so you can see the prisoners and of course and then of course the the i think it was the uh, undiscovered country where they throw uh, kirk and spock and mccoy into the brig you know of course but then they can't see them through the th- see-through wall as they as scotty helps them escape you know, i don't know just whatever um yeah, but I always thought I always thought just as a concept that the brig was cool, right? Um, so, so um, Una is ask is questioning um, the doctor, and he's like, you know, well, what did I do? What's so big? What's the big deal? Why am I in here? And she's like, well, you know, you beamed him uh, to uh, off the ship, and you te- you tempered you tampered with the transporter, which are against our rules. 
Um, you know, and also, you know, we had this we, this uh, dampener that you had. Obviously, was to, to meant to stop the kid ascending, and or that's what the doctor says. It was it was meant to stop the kid ascending to basically save him. You know, as as his father, I didn't want him to go through whatever it is he's going to be going through. We still don't know, right? And uh, so there's interference uh, on the planet with uh, that's affecting the the transport or the communication. It's also affecting their ability to transport. Um, so they can't get a hold of Pike, and so uh, Una is a little, a little annoyed that she can't tell Pike what's going on here. So meanwhile, the kid swears an oath that he's, you know, he's willing to give himself up and all that kind of stuff. And as he's just about to finish the sentence, he turns and he looks and he sees that they're carrying uh, a bunch of people carrying a, a like a ha- um, uh, what do you call it when you carry a person off stretcher. the ice? Uh, stretcher. They got a stretcher, and and there's obviously some matter in there under a blanket and and the kid kind of looks and kind of gets a little freaked out and um so so she says oh it's okay let pike have a look and so he lifts up the uh up the uh the blanket and he sees like there's basically this kid that's basically fried (laughs) you know um dead clearly uh but you know the size of a child right and or like a 10 or 11 year old child right and uh so the kid they put end up putting the kid in the machine and pike's like WTF? Like, what are you guys doing? Like, you can't do this. You, you know, what are you, you're gonna, what are you doing to the kid? Kind of thing. Like, you know, this is horrible. And uh, as Jonathan said, the dark turn, right? Um, and we're like, well, he's like the battery man. He makes the thing work. His brain, we plug his brain into this thing, and you know, they don't really say this is what's keeping the planet aloft or or the the, the cloud city aloft. But that's what the implication is here, right? Is that there's something about the way this kid's brain works that that, and he's been trained to make to make this happen right and and he's basically giving up his life and and you know he's he's giving up his life freely she says but again you know after being chosen like in a lottery kid he's 11 year old kid chosen a lottery who gave himself up freely right exactly and you know i gotta say though one thing i'm surprised i'm surprised it wasn't a woman or a girl because like well, you know the, for all they the, seem to be intimating in this episode that it alternates right because they say yeah, the next they one did, will be a girl did, oh they said yeah she, she did she did say she in 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 later when she was explaining about it yeah. right um anyway so he's like you know and of course the kid gets jacked in and you know he's all the wires are all attached to his head and everything like that and he's locked into this thing and eyes wide open like like the uh the dead kids looked and um she's like well you can't unplug him now you know if you unplug him you'll it'll kill him anyway right so he's he's just sort of he's stuck doing this thing right he and serving the Majalis people is his destiny. You know, he's one of, he's, he's, everybody loves him for this. And, you know, and he's like, well, is the kid going to suffer? And she's like, yes. <laughs> Does but, it you look know, fun? Said, yeah, no, it doesn't look fun at all. And then, and then she sort of says, uh, but the kid didn't freak out at the end. Like, you know, he kind of just went in there willingly. Right. But, uh, but again, like, again, like he's not. I mean, he's a smart kid, but is he really able? To, like, the question is: Is he? Are, are they abusing this child? Is this child abuse? Is, has he really got all the facilities to to you know give up his his life basically for this thing? Right? No, that's why people don't get to make those kind of decisions until they're an adult. Yeah, exactly. But the adults are making the decision for him, which is why Pike is freaking out, right? And uh, he's you know trying to you know knock the guards over and whatever, and they end up they end up knocking him out, and you know so he's. He wakes up in her in her boudoir again and uh, explain you know they explain to him or she explains to him about you know the you know like um, don't what other kids don't suffer or suffer like who you're telling me the kids don't suffer in your federation or go hungry you know 
says, the only difference between you and us is we don't look away. Um, you know, and uh, he goes, that's it. As soon as I, as soon as it get, as soon as this bus stops, I'm not your friend anymore. Um, as soon as I get off, as soon as I get off out of here, I'm reporting this to Starfleet right away, right? So, meanwhile, uh, the last, the, the, this thing closes, closes with, or almost closes, second last scene is, is Mbega and Elder are talking about how, uh, the Elder is going to go off to Prospect 7 and join his people who are like-minded and, you know, um, he says, uh, let, let me ask you about that kid you were talking about earlier. He says, let me, let me see the file, maybe I can... Maybe I can give you some tips on on uh, how to fix your problem. And uh, so they, so Mbega opens up the file, and the Doctor looks at it. And we flash back to Pike, who basically a wordless scene, but but he's he's hitting the sauce. He like he's you know can't deal with this, and he's just staring out the window and having a whiskey. And that's where the episode ends. So kind of like you're right, like it it kind of I don't know, I don't know if you got the the. I mean, I got the sense that, that this kid, you know, had some sort of duty and he was, you know, he was going to be the smart leader of the of the planet or something like that. Or he was, you know, his IQ was augmented or something. But I, I didn't really, I didn't get the sense that he was going to be, the, you know, the human battery plugged into this thing or plugged into the computer to be the, the central processing unit or whatever it is, right, that keeps this thing aloft. Did you get that sense throughout the show, John? Or Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I did not know exactly what his fate was, but it was clear by all of this that there was clearly more to what was there going on. There was a cover-up happening. Yeah, was, it, something was covering. It, it, it was clear right from the beginning, from the way that people were talking and the presentation of her as this, you know, she had, uh, you guys familiar with the hot crazy scale from, uh, from How uh, I Met Your Mother? No, so the, the Mendoza well, line is that, uh, that the, bit? the the idea is no 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 the idea of the hot crazy scale is that a woman at a certain hotness can act a certain level of crazy because she's that hot oh, she's but hot. you have to be yeah, that yeah. hot to be that crazy and guys will make the decision okay I know she's crazy but look how hot she is she was well into the hot crazy scale she seemed like a zealot and the way she was sort of like talking she she seemed like she was a little um a little off a little off clearly but um yeah no there was there was definitely something amiss and it was clear that that you know there was more to what was going on with the kid than the meets the eye. I didn't realize they were going to turn him into a copper top and, and plug him in like the matrix. But, uh, yeah, no, but that's what I was saying though, is like, like they have those kind of tropes in, in, um, in the original series. Like there was the one where the, the woman wants to change bodies with Kirk and so she can be the captain and he can, you know, be the, the woman and be subjugated. And there was other ones where, um, Kirk was always falling in love with the, the female, you know, um, yeah, he was protagonist. Yeah, and, and and you know, and but you know, like to the point where you know, and, and he would he would never give up. You know, he would never give up his first love, which was was the ship. Right, um, that was the the sort of thing, the Kirk line that that the the ship would always win. Right, you know, all of his relationships suffered because of this this you know the Enterprise was his was his woman. Right, um, but you know, there was always sort of like you know. Uh, some woman he would uh, McCoy would fall in love with somebody, you know, or, or even Spock sometimes, you know, like the one where Spock gets the sprayed in the in the face with the plant with the flowers and, and um, <laughs> you know, with Meredith uh, Meredith Baxter, I think her name was, and um, they basically not Meredith Baxter, it was a Meredith somebody something or other, but they, you know, he falls in love with her and he can't possibly leave her, 
You know, and then there was the one where he and McCoy go back in time to like 20,000 years earlier and he devolves into an early Vulcan and falls in love with the girl and wants to kill McCoy. So there's always sort of some sort of, you know, um, thing that, that, uh, forces the, the, one of the three characters to fall, to, to stay, to want to stay on the planet and become one of the people sort of thing, you know? But this, you know, we, we've been talking, obviously, through the first now six episodes of this show, that it is going back to episodic storytelling, and they are doing a lovely little high-wire act, balancing the sort of homage to the classic Trek, and also telling modern morality plays, right? Like, this fits into Gene Roddenberry's sort of style of storytelling, into the classic style of storytelling, but also, you know... This is this is needs of the many and the needs of the one. This is it ties very strongly into the overall morality of of Star Trek too. Again, good episode. It wasn't nearly as fun, obviously, as, as you know last week's. And you know they, they've had they've been pretty banging out some pretty good ones. This I wouldn't say was the best episode so far, but they they are really doing a nice job with these these little so this is episodic stories. This is interesting. Lindy Booth, who plays Laura. Was in? Did you ever watch a show called um, The Librarians with John Larroquette? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. John Larroquette and and uh, Rebecca Romaine, if I'm not mistaken, right? Wasn't she the the tough uh, CIA lady? I think I only watched a little bit of them, and it's only because I deeply love John Larroquette. So, so here's here's a little factoid about Lindy Booth, and this this will maybe make you interested here. Um, April second, she was born 1979 in Oakville, Ontario. There you go, Oakville, Ontario. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, nice. For those of you who don't know, Jonathan and I met each other in, in Oakville when that's where he lived when I first met his my partner. Anyway, yeah. So, yeah, she's she's from Oakville. She probably went to, like, Blake Lock or... Yeah, 79, she'd be <laughs> yeah, Park just or... obviously a little younger, younger than my brother and I, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She could anyway, be like, like true I... Oakville people from the other side of town, again. Where, where we were in Oakville was not exactly the good side of the tracks. No, I know. But it, what I'm saying is that it was interesting that she, she was in The Librarians. Yeah. Right? yeah. I, I knew I recognized her from something. Yeah. Right? She's also in Dawn of the Dead, apparently. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Carry on. Yep. Yeah. No, good episode. Jaime, what, uh, where does this one fit in your uh, estimation? I don't know that it's the highest one, but it's not a slouch by any means. Um, I did pick up pretty early on. I bet all my poker chips, like, they are definitely throwing that kid in the volcano. But I wasn't that far off. I wasn't that far off. I didn't know the specifics of like, oh, it's actually way worse than throwing him in the volcano. He has to suffer for some like decade or so before the next one needs to take over. They're just burning him out. And, and it does have that good sort of, depending on your moral philosophy, how do you feel? It's a trolley problem. Yep. But a writ large, right? Like, do you let yeah, a, yeah, right, a very right. large number of indeterminate innocents suffer and you just don't know it? Or do you shove it all into one innocent and have them suffer for everybody else to live in a utopia? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. They, they did a little, little bit Captain Energy out of Pike, which was, uh, which was fun. Yeah, my imagination is his hair getting taller per episode. Yeah, it was it was getting <laughs> getting tall. It's funny. It's funny. You know, somebody pointed out the other day that they they showed a picture, a side by side picture of Ensign Mount with the hair and the Christopher Pike from the Menagerie episode, mm. right? And the question was, with all this radiation disaster stuff that he gets blasted with, how come he still has hair? It's a fair point. I guess we don't know yeah, what he's kind still got, of radiation he's still got a little, is, right? little bit of a pompadour. He's got still got a bit of a pompadour too, right? Yeah. So, 
I, I guess, yeah. it, you know, we're supposed to uh, know that it's some kind of other radiation, not uh, nuclear fission or I don't know, who knows. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, and he's all embarrassed. Oh, she shucks. I'm the captain, you know, yeah. <laughs> for me. Kind of. Yeah. There, there was some weird, some weird. Uh, he's a bit weird sometimes, I find, you know, like, like Ar Jonathan Archer was always very stiff and, and you know, buttoned down. And, and Kirk was always, Kirk was a bit stiff too, but like, he was always like, you know, Hey, how you doing? Kind of thing, right? Yeah, but I think All we're supposed time. to know. I mean, they've done a really good job in the first few episodes of really just in, especially in those little like previously on episode things. They really are hammering in there. This whole his mortality. It's 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 the constant thread that weaves these stories together. Is who he is, what he knows about himself, how he's haunted, like. So even when he's in these moments where, you know, he's clearly like, oh, I remember this girl I wanted to sleep with 10 years ago and now I, I still want to sleep with her. Um, it's still certainly pretty clear that, you know, he's he's got this demon that is just he cannot shake. Right. 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 And just a little bit, a little aside follow up here. Um, Gia Sandu, I saw a picture of her today. She was one of the workers, co-workers um, in Handy Car Rental, you know, the, the rental agency that um, Simi Lu works for. So that's where her connection was. So we were trying to figure out where she was in, in Kim's Convenience, but I think she only, only a few episodes, but yeah, she worked in the rental place that he worked at. Yeah, she's beautiful. I, she, she just looks fantastic as as, uh, as Spring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so we move on to Obi-Wan Kenobi-Wan. Yes. I might Part bring four, it. I mean, they don't have um they don't have titles. They just have numbers. Part 4 A New Hope. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that as well. <laughs> it's pretty appropriate. So last time we left Obi-Wan, he had been horrifically burned by Anakin. So he gets placed into the Bacta tank to start off this episode and he's having some real real bad dreams, nightmares. Uh Anakin takes a, a similar sort of bath as well as that seems to be his regular sort of routine and meanwhile you know leia is prisoner of reva from the the last time where uh, she i can't remember what planet they were on but when they were trying to escape she you know pretended to be a friend but totally took her into custody and you know eventually you do end up with with tala and obi-wan trying to convince another guy roken uh as part of their their little you know rebellious group to help find Leia, that you know she is important enough, she is worth making this uh, this sacrifice, even though it's like for what reasons now? Why? Why one person? You know, they, they have to be a little dodgy about the specifics as to why it's worth you know putting all the, the effort here. And Roken uh, mentions to us that like, hey, like the Inquisitors, like they they find people. This Jedi is bad news because they will definitely find him. They found you know his his filthy Jedi scum wife is what we're we're told, right? Even though he tried to give up that life. Did uh, did you recognize Roken? He looked familiar. I couldn't place it. That is O'Shea Jackson Jr. Who is O'Shea Jackson Sr.? Uh, Ice no Cube, baby. Oh, that's oh, really? why he looks oh. so familiar. I wasn't seeing him. I haven't yeah. seen him. I've that's seen Cube's, his father. That's Cube's son. That is some those are some some strong genes. Or like I've seen this dude. I'm like, oh no, I literally haven't. I have seen. Yeah, did, his you, did you watch Straight Outta Compton the movie? He plays Cube in, in the Straight Outta Compton uh, biopic oh. of, of oh, really? uh, okay, NWA, cool. and it he's it, it's perfect because he looks so much like his dad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then I have seen him before. Okay, good. So I feel better about not knowing who he was, but feeling like I, I had recognized him. Yeah, as soon as he popped out, I'm like, ah. Oh. I know that guy. 
Cool. So they, they come to the realization here. Look, where she's going to be taken is Fortress Inquis- Inquisitoris? Inquisitorius? I didn't... Inquisitorius. Yeah. Inquisitorius. And, and that's real bad news because that's on Mustafar where Darth Vader's, you know, uh, chill pad is. Well, it's, it's, just... it's not on Mustafar. It's on, it's on a moon in the Mustafar system. Oh, there you go. Thank you for the correction. It's like an indoor correction. Um, yeah. That's good. So Must- Mustafar itself, the main like planet, that's the lava planet where Obi Wan and and uh, and Anakin have their final battle. That's where Vader's castle is. But he keeps the Inquis- Inquisitors nearby in the same system. But he will not let them on his planet. <laughs> uh, there we go. There we go. So 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 close, but not too close. Um, yeah, all the, this stuff is uh, is sorry is tied into um, Jedi Fallen Order because we is a, strangely the backstory for a bunch of this is is a video game. Oh, cool, cool. Well, it's good to see the world uh, world building there. Um, in, in this episode, they're like, look, we can use Tala's access to help Obi Wan, uh, assuming she hasn't been totally blown under cover, right? She was a uh, an Imperial, so it might work. Meanwhile, you've got you know Rava interrogating leia and trying to pull a, a bad cop good cop move like in a single person sort of <laughs> thing of like hey bad things gonna happen but you know good things could happen if you just help me out you know like look that, that dude's already dead like who are you trying to help you, know, you can help other people um we do very quickly end up with uh, with tala and obi-wan trying to make their way you know through security tala even though she's hypothetically higher ranking is told by the security guy like Hey, you don't get admittance, admittance without clearance. And she does the thing. I was like, I hope she does this because this is always the best thing. When you're running a scam, you always act annoyed at security. Right? It's a good <laughs> yeah. trick. Like make it feel like, are you serious, bro? Okay. Let's do you do know who thing. I am? <laughs> exactly. Don't act nervous. Act annoyed. Like, are you, do you just waste my time or what? Do you want Vader to just choke you out <laughs> like right here or <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and she does open an underwater access port so that Obi-Wan can Aquaman his way inside, right? So they weren't, weren't going to be able to get him in normal means. It was like, okay, you come in through like the dirty laundry chute or the, the toilet water chute, whatever that was. Can I just interject for one second, Jaime? So one of the most far-fetched scenes in Star Wars history is when Qui-Gon and young Obi-Wan arrive on Naboo and they are... Going into the uh, water to follow Jar Jar to go down to the Gungan city, and they're still wearing their full, heavy yeah, full robes, ass yeah. looking yep. Yep. Jedi robes, and you're just like, those are not swimming robes. Like that's those guys would be sucked to the bottom and drown. There's no way. It, it's even more far fetched here, where he's still wearing like very similar type outfit, but he's in his fifties. Do the Jedis all have this little breathing apparatus in their pocket kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, I, I found myself in that moment sort of going, doing one of those like, okay, <laughs> you know, like, come on. <laughs> Are you force swimming? What's happening there? This microfiber twill blend <laughs> hangs, <laughs> hangs heavy, but, 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 you know, when it gets wet, it gets lighter. Yeah. 
even this, and, and not to step on your your recap, but even when he goes inside, he's still wearing those. There's like a, he drowns a stormtrooper. I'm like, dude, put the stormtrooper uniform on. You'll get around much easier. No, he keeps the soaking wet, heavy robes on. And like, hey, which way did he go? I don't know. Follow the puddles. Like he's he's <laughs> he's wearing a terry cloth robe and he's walking around in this place. Yeah, ring it out Jeez. at least or something, right? You know? Yeah. Even Marty McFly's uh, you know jacket dries itself in 2015. I mean, come on. Yeah. Sorry, continue. Cool. Yeah, no worries. We, we do switch over to, to Reva trying to, to read Leia's mind, but, but she can't, right? And Leia's a little too strong for that. So it's, it's annoying that this child is, is rebuffing her. Obi-Wan is sneaking around as he has you know, wanted to do. It's kind of a, a typical thing he does. Tala sort of does a bit of the same. She ends up with an extra security check because somebody realized, hey, that's like not your station. You're not supposed to be there. And she takes care of the guy, and he takes a little nap, <laughs> from what I can tell in the, the photos there, the, the videography there. And, uh, you know, we do see more of that traditional Obi-Wan being able to sneak around when, when stormtroopers are suspicious. He can use the Force to make a sound appear elsewhere and, uh, and make them go off somewhere. He's, he's too sneaky for this, right? And over in the interrogation part, Reva is just like, look, they're not coming to help you, Leia. Hey, there's nothing you can do here. And Leia is is sneaky. She's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll tell you everything. But like, I need to talk to my dad because we're like all on the same side, right? <laughs> and Reva's like, mm, stupid little child, you're not sneaky enough. I know what you're trying to do there. So she has Leia put into the like torturematic or whatever you want to call that. I don't know what the canonical name is for this torture device they have in Star Wars. Is this training for the New Hope? When she gets put into the well, it's, it's telegraphing for sure because the fact that Riva can't read her mind and is is sort of acknowledging that oh, right. that Leia is very strong of mind. It ties Why into you think she's there's a line that Vader delivers, then? which in the moment you don't really think about, but when you add the retcon of her being uh, mm-hmm. Anakin's daughter, she has force sensitivity, and in A New Hope. Vader says her resistance to the mind probe is actually quite impressive, basically. Really? Yeah. yeah so yeah. this is sort of the foreshadowing of that moment where she, Reva's like, because we saw her in a previous episode, just pull the information out of uh, Kumail Nanjiani's character's mind, right? And the idea is that you can you can just pull information out of the weak-minded. But in this case, this little child is like, are we having a staring contest? <laughs> Which is yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. nasty line from a little girl. <laughs> yeah. Fun times continue as Obi-Wan finds the tomb where apparently they put the dead uh, Jedi. Uh, they don't, don't just chop them up and call it good. They they encase them in like amber, I guess. I don't know what, what that it's, is. I, yeah, I think maybe we can circle back to that one. But there there is a familiar face in one of those tombs. And it's really unclear. They refer to it as a tomb, but it's unclear. Are they dead are they alive are they preserved like what's going on there but yeah and they're all jedi right they are all force sensitive or jedi one of them is a clearly a jedi that we've seen in the clone wars before and one's a a youngling right uh and there's definitely a youngling there so he wouldn't be a jedi but he would be a a youngling yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um there's not a lot of time to to take in the sights though because obi-wan does hear leia's cries um and needs tala's distraction right so Tala goes to distract, but Reva is straight up not buying that story. So we've got the time pressure here of like what's going to happen. 
while Obi-Wan makes you know, quick work of the stormtroopers and frees Leia, Tala does the like, yes, I'm in fact a spy for us. <laughs> like I was so deep undercover that I'm like a triple agent, I think is, is how she went into it. I'm like, yes, when I act weird and awkward here, it's because I'm actually a spy. I figured out the, the network that this, uh, this rebel crew is, is going with. So uh, that's why I, I did what I did, right? He's trying to cover up here. Alarms can get set off. Reva knows that Obi-Wan is here. So Tyla, Tala has to like fight off the stormtroopers, make them sleep a little bit. Obi-Wan also makes some stormtroopers go to sleep. But unfortunately, the pew-pew-pews have cracked the glass on this underwater tunnel. So he has to try holding off the rushing water with the Force. But Tala takes Leia to safety, and he's having to use his lightsaber to still keep fighting as best he can. Uh... Nevertheless, he does have to end up letting it go, runs away from the rushing water, makes it in time to get behind the other barrier as the uh, the Imperials end up looking not so great, like floating pickles in that, that you know, tunnel of death. And they pull the uh, three kids in a trench coat trick with Obi-Wan wearing this big <laughs> trench coat, Imperial trench coat and uniform, and just with Leia, you know, underneath that. Um, and Reva calls them out, which I kind of liked that they didn't get that far. She was like, dude, that's him right there, you know? But thankfully, How they made the it rebels... that far, I don't know. Like, come on. That was like the worst disguise of all time. <laughs> yeah. uh, the, thankfully, the rebel ships come in blasting, and it causes chaos. And they do get a chance to, to get on board. And uh, one of the pilots, unfortunately, of the two, uh, Wade, unintentionally sacrifices himself to distract Reva so that she can't you know, do anything to the speeder. While uh, Maya, I'm going to call her, saves Obi-Wan, Leia, and Tala. That was, that was Maya, right? I can't remember the actress's name from Pet 15, but it definitely looked like her to me. Did you guys catch that, the actress? Yeah, she looked familiar. Yeah, I think it's the actress who plays Maya on... Uh, oh, on Pet 15, 15, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, good call. Not, See, not I spotted the one here. you spotted the other. Good spot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she just says, like, you know, get on board or whatever the quick line is from, like, you know, I'm getting you out of here so we can hightail it. And this seeming failure is not something that pleases Vader. He's like, you knew what the, the penalty was going to be. And Raven is wise enough to be like, hey, I actually let them go on purpose because I put a tracker on their ship so I can find the whole network and we'll eventually take out obi-wan and the whole thing uh the fighter you know rendezvous with the ship broken learns of of wade's sacrifice leia well actually before you get too far i just want to ask like wouldn't you think that you know like when when do these rebel guys sort of go should we check and see if they've fought, let us go or have a tracker because because also you know the the scene in um in a new hope when leia says come on they let us go it was too easy right um like you, but you know, do you think that they wouldn't check for some sort of technology or whatever chasing them? Maybe this is what teaches Leia canonically oh, yeah. that this is what they do. That was my because, thought, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's personal for her because you know she ends up comforting Obi Wan. They have sort of a bit of a moment, and we get a very strong hint that Lola, her droid, is definitely the tracker end seed. So there you go, Tim. I think canonically she's like obviously they let us go. This happened to be before they put it in my damn robot. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, you get the little Terminator red red eye thing. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, thoughts, gentlemen, on this episode? 
Um, I've seen this movie twice before. Uh, Break into Imperial Stronghold, rescue the princess. Uh, you know, it's it's just it, it, you're well. Even even the rebel rebel flyer fighters coming in at the last minute. Yeah. You know, when all is all hope is lost. Yeah. yeah, let's blow this thing and get out of here, kid. Yeah, it, and of course one of them has to die because you know they came from behind. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah they, this was a little bit of an on the nose homage, obviously to to you know future events for these characters but there was a lot of people on that that um, landing pad a lot of a lot of stormtroopers and and officers just wandering around i mean like, i love that when the fight breaks out the stormtroopers are like wildly missing and like hitting each other and oh it's just they, yeah, they just yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. the incompetence of of stormtroopers never ceases to be uh well funny yeah right and it's interesting i noticed that when when indira um the actress indira playing, Barbara, yeah um, yeah, she, when she shoots the stormtrooper, it's like point blank. Yeah. She's got the gun right against her chest. Yeah. She's no no chance of missing. Right? Yeah, yeah. I uh, so I had mentioned that there was a a Jedi that we recognized in the basement there. That was Tara Sanube. And um, if you look up Tara Sanube in, I've seen a couple of people do side by sides in the last uh, day since it was clear because that was one of the first thing people were like who was that who who did it what did everybody see I, I saw it and I was like that looks like a character from Clone Wars I couldn't have told you his name until uh, I looked it up and um, yeah he was a character who was in multiple episodes of Clone Wars so interesting because it's the first time we've seen him in live action but uh, not exactly how we envisioned seeing him in live action as a, as a popsicle but do you guys think that that was part of a trophy case or do you guys think that that was in any way connected to the sort of overarching Palpatine is gathering up, you know, people with force blood because you never know what you're going to need that oh, for. Oh, he wants, yeah, he needs, yeah, mm. needs them for, for his long life or whatever. Yeah. Like, was, the, was mm. this part of the long game towards him cloning himself? Or was this uh, just, this is the, the Inquisitors being monsters and, and putting children in amber? Ooh, I, I hadn't thought of that angle, but now that you're connecting those dots, I'm like, oh, I guess that would make sense then. Yeah. Because I, I yeah. had thought, coming into this, not knowing a whole lot about the Inquisitors, like, oh, they're just sickos, and this is their, their trophy case. But having it be both a trophy case and a, you know, longer, um, longer-term longer plan for Palpatine, like, wow, that'd be pretty brilliant. Or, again, it could be tied into the, uh, you know, we're not, we're not going to kill you, we're going to, you know, basically torture you by, like, you know, having you be alive. But it's sort of the trapped in carbonite kind of... Han Solo, I like I like Captain Solo hanging on the wall over there. Ha 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 ha. You know, they're basically capturing these these force sensitives and these Jedi and, you know, sticking them in a block of goo and being like, ha ha, you're stuck in our basement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have a quick aside, and this occurred to me after our discussion last week, but I have to ask you two this question. So do you know the conversation that Obi-Wan has with Leia where uh they're talking about what it was like to be, you know, to, to go, go be a Jedi. And he says, you know, yeah, it's really upsetting when you're a little kid, they take you away and they, they take you to the monastery and you or the temple and you end up becoming a Jedi. And he sort of says, you know, I, th- I think I had a brother. I, you know, I, I kind of remember like what my family looked like a little bit. Okay. So I was trying to process that in my process that in my mind. And it's all tied into the whole, like the Jedi concept is kind of flawed. And that's probably why the whole prequel thing makes sense. And the Clone Wars and everything. Okay, so here's my question to you guys. If the Jedi are 
scouring the galaxy looking for four sensitive children and they're uh taking them away kidnapping them yeah we're yeah, not gonna yeah. say kidnapping yeah. we're gonna say taking them away to be trained why did they let them keep their last names what do you mean why would like why kenobi? would it be you know obi-wan kenobi and qui-gon jinn why wouldn't you be brother obi-wan and you lose your last name so you don't have that attachment so that you're not tempted to be part yeah, of that they- family but it could be a different name. It could be that they take them away and give them a different but name. But right? Anakin Skywalker is Anakin Skywalker. But, it's, it's, but, but oh yeah, I, I guess, yeah. And they don't. it's not like Luke when they're training... When he becomes Yoda. Darth Vader, though. He I know, Darth but that's, Vader, that's an Vader honorific that Sith give, right? But it just it started sort of grinding my gears in my brain as I started thinking their whole mantra, which we know... As we watch all of these different parts of of Star Wars and read the books and play the well, games, well, it's there. like they call the brother and sister the the Inquisitors. Inquisitors. They, they take them away. Same same idea, right? Yeah, but but they do it. They do it correctly. The Jedi Jedi are lousy. That's why they lost. But Come that's on. the whole point. Like, isn't isn't it a fundamental flaw to let them keep part of their identity? If the whole idea is that you are taking them away to basically conscript them for the greater good. Why let them keep any part of their identity? Why not either call them the second sister and second brother or have them just have a first name like, you know, Sting, Prince, and Madonna and have them give them a lightsaber and say, you know, you aren't that person anymore. Especially if they're taken away as children, they won't remember their names. Like, what's the point? Doesn't that seem so deeply flawed? And for for a culture that they're trying to encourage, which is don't have attachments, don't be emotional, don't be connected. Why Why? Why would you let them keep their last names? Can I remind you that it, it's just a movie? Joke? No, no, no. This is going to, this keeps me up at night, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I go this down is a little, the road. Sorry, um, this is a little glimpse into my brain, Jaime, just so you know. Tim went the, uh, you know, outside of the universe route. I'm going to go in universe and say maybe it's the hubris of the Jedi. That, uh, I think that's exactly that it. it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's exactly it. I think it's that they're so arrogant. They're like, don't have attachments. You who clearly have a family elsewhere, like, okay. Yeah, that that was that was a weird one. I don't know. Again, that whole conversation where he's he's clearly sort of set the stage for some weird future story where it's like, I'm Anakin's brother, Bob, Bob Kenobi. Yeah, yeah. Two weird. episodes left, so they're they're. You're going to have to make up some ground pretty soon here. Uh, well, the Empire will strike back in the next one, and then <laughs> right. the Jedi will return in the, in the sixth one, right? That's, that's how we're going here. Yeah, yeah. So the next one will involve a crushing defeat for the Rebels, because they were tracked back to a base. And then the one after that, they'll regroup, and they'll get some help from like some weird, cute little animals, and, uh, and then they'll defeat them. Man, if I'm right, Apparently, if I'm right, this will be the worst <laughs> series in the history of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. So a little little tidbit here, a little little sort of uh, Easter egg. I don't know if you saw it or not, but but when uh, according according to what I'm reading here, when Tala is told to come and she's she's been found out and she's got the little communicator thing in her hand, she puts it down in the same way that C-3PO does in A New Hope. Oh, that's an extremely yeah. detailed detail. Yeah. And then uh, there was another one here too. You were right about the the, the um, Jedi person. Oh yeah, Terrace um, Bay, Yeah. And apparently the machine that they put Leia in is the same device that they use in Fallen Order. Yeah. 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 Fortress Inquisitorious is a is a prime location in that series or game. I guess it's there. Right. There is a second oh, okay. game coming, right. but it's, yeah, it's, it's uh, in that game. Well, I haven't played the first game yet because 
You still have it at your house. I'm not done with it yet. Oh, you're not done. I see. Okay. All right. Cool. So are we going to move on to the Dorval? Do do we we want to do... uh, Are we going to hold Ms. Marvel for... We'll do a two-episode recap next week? Uh, have we got a recap? Of uh, I did. Uh, that was or my that, that was my it, right? recap because uh, that's what we had sort of agreed on earlier this week. Oh, you're going to do Miss Marvel? Oh, yeah, because Jaime watched that I haven't watched. You go ahead. You guys can go ahead and do. Yeah, that. I'll I'll do the Let's super do... high level one. Uh, I, I won't go yeah. too far into the details, mostly because it would you know we've already done two recaps. But it is broadly it is the story of uh, Kamala Khan, uh, who is a 16 year old girl who lives in Jersey City, New Jersey, uh, played, of course, by Iman Vellani, who is actually from Markham, Ontario. And uh, she is, you know, a girl with her head in the clouds. She's always thinking about, you know, uh, her her art and she's thinking about her friends and she lives with her parents and her brother. Um, they are Pakistani Muslim and, uh, her, you know, her brother is fairly devout, her parents less so, but they are like most, you know, immigrant families. Um, they're a little more stringent and, you know, so there's a, you know, obviously we learned a little bit more about her culture and her Islamic upbringing and um, yeah they sort of establish you know her life at home her life at school and there's this sort of weird undertone of well she really wants to uh, go to this event which is Avengers Con where they celebrate at the Avengers she hero worships Captain Marvel she loves Captain Marvel she wants to be like Captain Marvel she wants to go to this Avengers Con and win this costume contest and the whole thing is built around her and her best friend Bruno trying to figure out how they can get to this thing without her getting in trouble because her parents won't let her go because they're very restrictive. And um, as part of this, she's trying to sort of find a way to bring her Pakistani culture to the Captain Marvel costume. And she ends up with this very special bracelet. And the bracelet ends up being something that she didn't anticipate. Uh, It had come in a box from her grandmother back in Pakistan. And uh, when she puts it on at Avengers Con, she realizes she actually it is actually a magical or, or some sort of specific device that gives her powers. Uh, a little bit of chaos ensues at Avengers Con, and uh, in the end, she basically ends up having this sudden realization that while she's always dreamt of being a superhero, that now maybe she could actually be that. And um, yeah, so this sort of it's a, you know a pretty fun, quick. Uh, light, super light, especially compared to, you know, having come off Moon Knight and uh, Doctor Strange. This is your Marvel palette cleanser right here, folks. It is like super light, super fun. Uh, There's a mix of, you know, emojis and animation. It's clearly aimed at a much younger audience, so not everybody Mm. will love that. I thought it was very fun and fresh. It's very, very reminiscent of the comic, the original comic by uh, G. Willow Wilson and Canada's own Adrian Alfona. Uh, uh, and to, um, oh god, what's his name? Oh, uh, to, to um, Takashi Miyazawa was another Canadian uh, artist who worked on the book, and um, yeah, it's it's very reminiscent of the book. It does go a com- kind of a different direction on the circumstances of her getting her powers. It, she's and and it does seems so far like they have kind of changed what her powers are a little bit. So in the book. She is, uh, she basically gains her superpowers and it gives her the ability to um, basically morph her body into different things. 
so she can stretch out her arm kind of like Mr. Fantastic. She can change her body shape so she can mimic other people. Uh, in this case, they've kind of given her this MacGuffin of the bracelet. Um, and the bracelet is is a part of her costume in the in the books. But in this case, it's the bracelet that gives her the powers, and it acts a little more like a Green Lantern ring than her actually being able to to morph herself. I get for the purposes of a show like this, it's probably budgetarily a lot easier to do that stuff than have to, you know, render Iman Vellani changing her body shape all the time and everything else. Um, I don't think it's a terrible change, but it is different. Um but do they call the do they call the wrist thing a bangle in the in the show? Do they call? Uh, no, I think she, I don't know if they ever actually referred to it because that because that's what that you know a lot of, a lot of Indian women wear like it's basically like like some of them wear their their like gold and stuff like that like they they're actually it's actually worth money. Oh and, yeah, and no, absolutely. I, I, I think it. it's meant to be like a you know yeah like a piece of traditional Indian Pakistani. Um, well, it's called the bangle. Yeah, yeah. Like they're called bangles when you wear them. Yeah, for sure, like for sure. Um, yeah, I mean it's basically it's 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 bigger than a bracelet by far. It's right. It's like a a cuff, right? But um, yeah, it was it was fun. It was light. It was interesting. Obviously, it's a nice step forward as far as cultural diversity to have, uh, you know, a Muslim family. Um, Jersey City is genuinely one of the most diverse cities in America. I think it might be one of the single most diverse places. So good to see representation, obviously. Um, I could see why some people would love this series because it's fun and it's light and it's easy and uh, and Amon Vellani is extremely charming. She's a really really cute, fun, energetic person, and uh, and at the same time, I could see why people would not love it because it is you know it's it's not you know serious. It's pretty light. It's pretty you know. Um, hmm. It's very teen oriented, I would say, you know, it, it, there's YouTube references. There's, you know, a lot of, you know, emojis coming to the screen. Uh, her she imagines her art and her art comes to life. And, you know, so it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's sort of straddling the line at times between comic book and animation and and storytelling, obviously, in, in, in uh, real life. But uh, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. Again, if you like the book, you'll probably like the show. But I don't know if it's for everybody. I mean, what'd you think? I I liked it, and I know I'm definitely not the the target audience. And I think just like we mentioned that Star Trek, there's so much of it available that you don't have to have. Man, this has to apply to everyone. Otherwise, you're waiting seven years before your next thing comes up, right? Like there's yeah, yeah. not that big of a gap if you don't like this particular one i i liked it um i figured the style was kind of the the early style of how it's presented felt like the mitchells versus the machines which i've mentioned on this show the the netflix animated film yep and when i when i sort of thought about how this worked in my head i said it's if i were to explain it to somebody else who um hadn't you know known anything about this character just like i didn't know anything about this character um i like to describe it as imagine kim's convenience plus shit's creek plus shang chi plus you know pakistan and you kind of have this show right like her her dad is in my mind i'm like oh that's basically appa uh there is a convenience store but granted it's the friend 
who um who yeah, Bruno, uh, lives yeah. above yeah, yeah he he lives above it um her uh her brother is you know Dan Levy if he was you know Pakistani and Muslim <laughs> Pakistani and a, and a pious Muslim yeah 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 instead of being Jewish right I'm like oh they are like the same guy it's kind of scary yep. and yep. then the the Shang-Chi angle comes from the the Bengal having a very yep. clear sort of uh semi-ethnic origin but also for her family a very particular thing right like yeah her, her mom is like not that happy when she sees the bangle. So it seems like she knows what's up. And I'm assuming there's a reason grandma sent it along. There is. And and there's sort of a, an allusion in the show to her, her, her being like her grandma to, to Kamala, Kamala being like her grandma. Her mom makes a yeah. reference to like, I know what it's like these people who have their heads in the clouds. And it's, it's sort of a double meaning to that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it sort of fits what, and I'm guessing they're going very much for like the Pakistani experience in mm-hmm. in uh, in America because they're in, in Jersey. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it it sort of fits a lot of the same beats that the you know immigrant family, but you're the the first one to have been born here, right? So you've got that struggle with the the parents, the elders, and their belief systems, and your mm-hmm. Americanized belief system, like. As an example, she just really wants to go to this Avenger Con, Avengers Con, and uh, with her friend and 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 cosplay as her her favorite character. And her mom is like, "You cannot go dressed as a slut." Is what's yeah. you know stated there. And I'm like, "What Captain Marvel's outfit in the MCU is definitely not like that." To be fair, we do see other versions of comic accurate Captain Marvels yeah. that are probably more in line. I'm like. She was wearing like a biker suit, (laughs) like the kind that that isn't meant to be sexy. The kind is meant to be you fall off of a motorcycle and you slide down the highway and you're you're fine or, you know, better than than you would be if you was skinned. Like she is covered top, you know, top to bottom. But you can see the sort of like, no, 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 uh, you got to do something that is more traditionally acceptable for them. But that was uh, kind of an interesting take. We haven't seen a lot of that in in the Marvel MCU yet. Yeah. And, it, and again, it speaks to that diversity piece. You're right. I mean, I, you, you went straight to, um, to Kim's convenience for me. It was never have I ever, which is the Netflix series, uh, centered around a young, uh, you know, Brown girl living in California, her culture clashing with her, you know, her experience. She thinks of herself as just an average California girl, but her mom is like wanting her to embrace the traditional values similar in that vein for sure. Um, but yeah, it's funny cause it, th- there are, lines straight out of the original i actually i p- picked up uh, my my uh, collected edition of ms marvel this morning and, and was flipping through it because i was like I, I hadn't reread it in years but i was like some of this seems really familiar and i went through and yeah they were lifting like straight from the book scenes dialogue you know lots of stuff from the original g willow wilson uh adrian alfona comics and um yeah, it's it's you know it. People loved this book for that very reason that it it really kind of stretches how we think about you know the primarily Caucasian you know Marvel universe into some interesting places and and you know do, does a good and respectable job of of trying to sort of portray something else and and I think it's 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 nice to have that whether or not it'll be your favorite of all the Marvel shows. Uh, you know, we were talking though, Jaime. You were saying. How in in this circumstance, the Disney Plus shows, you know, they're kind of rolling them through. And if you don't like this one, another bus is coming. 
the one thing about the Ms. Marvel show versus some of the other shows is that we know already that she's going to be in the movie coming out next year called The Marvels, which is mm-hmm. the essentially Captain Marvel 2, but it's also going to tie into Ms. Marvel. So I think there's a pretty clear, you know, you don't have to watch this. But if you like this character, maybe you'll go watch that. Or if you like Ms. Marvel or uh, Ms. Marvel, Captain Marvel, you might like that. I think it was kind of their way of guarding against people being like, well, Captain Marvel one was not the best of all the Marvel MCU movies. Maybe I won't bother with Captain Marvel two. Well, if you introduce this fun new character, maybe it's enticing a different audience, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I do think it's probably a good balance for them for, for hedging on that as well as, I can completely see a very quick recap of her appearance in the movie. So if you don't watch this show, you'll probably get the gist of, oh, she's a big fan of Captain Marvel. She has her own powers. It's called Ms. Marvel. Got it. Right. Yep. You can sort of move on. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there'll be some way to recap that in the movie. They will, you know, I'm your biggest fan. I love you or whatever. I wonder, I do wonder as I was watching this one, I thought, I wonder if in the final episode or a final episode will get that sort of lead into that movie where, you know, perhaps they meet or there's some, somebody who's like, let me introduce you to my friend or in, in some sort of connection. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there is uh for people who, again, are MCU lovers and spotters, there's a post credit scene. So stay tuned kids. There's for the first time in a while, a post credit scene in a, first episode of an mcu disney plus show uh that ties into spider-man no way home so because the characters that are in that scene one of those characters is is in no way home we'll we'll let tim watch that before we get too far into that one (laughs) all right um do you want to do the boys we did uh we we all watched the first three something else episodes wow yeah (laughs) wow yeah wow is right (laughs) wow covers it that guy is so like yeah like what do you do what do you do when the most dangerous guy on the planet loses his oh can we can we please his... start with episode one though I mean oh, the okay. Homelander stuff yeah. is is great and yeah and he's fantastic but oh my god that first episode oh my god <laughs> there's a scene again we're not going to get into spoilers we're not going to find out but there is a scene in that first episode. That is maybe the most over-the-top thing I've ever seen on a television show. Can you give us a recap? It's been a while since I've seen it. Uh, That would be the part where uh, there is a character named the Termite who can shrink and grow himself like uh, the Atom. Oh, yes. Right. That was was like rated... triple r <laughs> and that scene that was painful to oh, watch never mind what happened my you know? good god that scene i was both like aghast and laughing hysterically that was one of the most over the top through the roof around the corner scenes i've ever seen on television in my entire life and i've watched a lot of stuff that is one of the most bonkers things I've ever seen. And immediately, as Jaime pointed out on our Slack channel, was immediately a meme going around. Uh, it was unbelievable, that scene. But it, it was part of an unbelievable episode and, and, and continuing the boys just pushing the envelope. Now, in fairness, I've read the books and the books are also over the top. 
but we're talking about a very niche audience for this book. It was, you know, it's it's not even a, a super mainstream. It's, it's certainly gained its popularity as the, the shows come on and, you know, they've collected it and everything else. It's gained a, a, a strong cult following. But uh, to do it in live action and that spectacularly graphic fashion uh, was something else. Something else. And then to continue that through the first three episodes that they dropped on, on its premiere day, you know, just scene after scene where you just it's like it's like curb your enthusiasm with superheroes. You're just cringing your way through so many scenes watching from behind your fingers as you just like, oh, this is so unbelievably awkward and painful and gross. The scene in the third episode where Homelander has clearly gone completely off the deep end and uh, forces one of his teammates to uh, commit a very unpleasant act involving his supper yeah. is, oh my God, he's praying, he's praying. It's just, it's, it's yeah, so yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Oh, this show is so good. They, they are just going for it in a way that I love. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. No, it's 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 pretty pretty cool, but I'm sure it'll shock a lot of people too. Oh, you know, yeah, it does. It and the mirror it holds up to uh, Western and and most likely American society in particular oh, yeah. with the the vault news, the um the the reality you know heavy air quotes reality TV show competition or the seven team members and just a whole bunch of how you. Even just something simple that it, it it ends that third episode with, you know, a particular hashtag with, yep, that's definitely a pre-planned thing that people do. Here's the hashtag we're going to get trending for oh, the latest yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's, I mean, it, and the comic was the same way. It really is meant to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, in a world of reality television, in a world of YouTube, in a world of, you know, influencers and all these things add in superhero people and what do you get and it just becomes this bacchanal of of debauchery it's just yeah it's 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 so good and and the 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 the, you know the the hit statistics or the the points that on you know on the the networks and stuff that that excuses the behaviors of these incredibly horrible horrible people yeah 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 i I just want to like it's like sorry go ahead no, I was going to say that it's like it's like having a leader of the largest country in the in the world, you know, reality TV show, yeah. just justify justifying his horrible behavior because he's got good stats. Yeah, right? and getting into office because he was a reality reality TV show host, right? And like, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just very quickly want to read you uh, a, tw- a text that I got from a close friend of mine. Uh, he said, "Make sure you watch the first episode of The Boys with your family." Maybe invite the minister from the church down the road over, too. Oh, and bring lots of old people, especially ones with heart conditions and weak stomachs. Yes. Yes, that will do nicely. <laughs> I was like, yep, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Mm-hmm. This was before mm-hmm. I had a chance to watch it, and I was like, oh, yeah, no, I get it now. Yeah, it's, yeah. Such a good show. Can't wait to see where they take the rest of this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and just the, the graphics, I mean, like like the, you know, the slicing people in half and you know with their eyes and all that kind of stuff just just like the you know like like i, I think i've mentioned before when in in when you see somebody get shot in a quentin tarantino movie you don't actually see them getting shot yeah, yeah. 
Whereas here you see them get lasered and like cars getting lasered in half yeah. and you know yeah it's incredible yeah yeah it's 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 funny it's it's kind of these guys lose like lose their temper or just you know like sneeze and and, <laughs> and bad death things and destruction happen. yeah know? yeah <laughs> well yeah no I should literally sneeze literally now. sneeze no, and it, right? something bad happens oh yeah maybe the worst thing yeah 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 no it's. Uh, it, it, I'm. It's one of those things. As soon as you sit down and watch it, I was just like, oh, I can't believe they dropped three episodes at once. I gotta, I gotta try and get through it this week because I want to talk about it with the guys. And I sat down. I, I started watching. I'm like, oh, never mind. This is awesome, and I'm gonna sit here and watch this till as long as it takes. It's so good. Did you watch all three like right in a row, or did you take a break? I watched one and then uh, did some stuff, and then what came back and watched the last two. I ended up staying up until like yeah, much later than I should have one night this week, just because I, I really wanted to see what was going to happen well like see i started i watched one you know middle of last week and then took a took a break for a couple of days <laughs> clean yourself up <laughs> not, not intentionally shower, I, you know i did other things well as, as i mentioned before it's it's a busy week for me and Jaime because we've got a lot of content to consume yeah, yeah. right and and uh and then i came back and i and i can't remember i think i watched the next two right one after the other but yeah but uh just to get them done because because like, another episode's coming on friday right so or tomorrow as we record yep. Yeah. Yep. I have a dog here staring at me. <laughs> Wagging his what tail. is it, Mr. Mac? Yeah. All right. So she moved to our watch list. Yeah, yeah so let's do that. Go yep. Take yep. care of his business. So mine oh, is something that I didn't know. The Terminator 2 bullet effects on the T-1000, the liquid metal T-1000, uh, weren't CGI. Or at least not all of them were. I was pretty impressed to find out that they had a practical solution or that. And um, if you had asked me over these past, you know, what, 30 odd years, I would have definitely told you, oh, yeah, that was probably CGI to make the explosion appear. And then they probably just glued the things on after the fact when he's running around already damaged. Um, so, you know, so another thing, the thing about that is that um, there was a movie before that, The Abyss, right? The Abyss was the first time that they actually had some, a sort of morphing 3D object that was, you know, rendered in, in well, not real time. It took days and days and days to render these scenes. But the big technology at the time that Terminator came out was morphing. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. going from one photo to another. Mm-hmm. That was what the, that's what sort of was the thing at that, like, you know, motion capture camera work, computer control motion capture camera work was Star Wars, right? That came out of that. But in but the whole Terminator Two thing was the whole thing about morphing from one shape to another. That was sort of the new, the latest thing in in uh, image image rendering at that time, right? So we had like apps on our Macs at home. Like I've I've you know have videos of or I think I have pictures of Jonathan and his kids and morphing from one 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 age to another. That was sort of that was the thing at the time. So yeah, I, I, CGI wasn't there yet. I mean, is what I'm saying. Like in terms of in terms of technology, right? Yeah, the you know, like the the big the big movie that put CGI on the map was was Jurassic Park with the T Rex. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I get that. Um, and they definitely used um, practical means where they didn't need CGI, like you know, using twins for Linda Hamilton's mm-hmm. character because she yeah, has a right. twin. Yes, using yes, twins yes. for the uh, the police officer or sheriff or deputy or something who. Uh, yeah, when the T one thousand comes from the floor and the and the um oh maybe he's a guard or something. I forget what his role is. He's like a like a like a law security law enforcement kind of guy and he goes to get a cup of coffee from the machine. He's like, Oh, I'm a winner and then he gets stabbed yeah. by the 
that was, that was just twins <laughs> that they, they did. So, um, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Where they never... have face to face. Yeah. 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 Are the bullet effects, are they actually like stop motion kind of animations? Is that what they're saying? Or? No. And, and I would have thought, oh, it's, it was CGI. You know, that was like the big thing that they did. And they came up with a practical effect where they had like, these are like almost like exploding, you know, flowers, you know, in such a way where they've, they've got a, a little, um, uh, almost like a squib rigged underneath some pre-scored uh, clothing, right? So his, his police officer uniform. And so when they pull a pin, it presses out this, this like flower, a metallic flower looking thing that causes the, the bullet hole to, to appear, uh, the impact, which is, which is pretty dang cool. And again, it, it was definitely a mix of CGI and practical effects. And um, yeah. if you'd asked me, I would have been like, oh yeah, that's obviously CGI. And it was not. I was impressed to see that there was a practical effect there. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So my pick for this week is uh, is something I'm doing tomorrow. Uh, we're going to go see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, the uh, live stage performance of the, I guess for lack of a better term, sequel to the Harry Potter series. It is um, it is here playing here in Toronto. It just opened uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, this was my Christmas gift to my family this year. I bought all of us uh, some nice seats to go see this live performance. It is the the shortened version. the The one that they originally showed in in London, and then originally on Broadway, was. Uh, two parts and it was almost seven hours and it was spread over two performances. You had to go watch like one and then go have some lunch and then come back and watch another one. This is the shortened version, which is I think three and a half hours, but um, what? it's supposed to be an unbelievable spectacle. Uh, and apparently uh, I, I spoke with a friend of mine who actually saw it in, in New York when the original was on. And uh, she said, Somebody, somebody in the audience stood up at one point and said, it's official, we're all muggles, and magic is real. That's how immersive this thing felt. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm really curious. I mean, I'm, I'm not, a, not like the world's biggest Harry Potter fan. I very much enjoyed the books. Um, I, I do have my reservations about, obviously, uh, J.K. Rowling and, and her, uh, her thoughts and beliefs, but I, I certainly can give her credit for being a, a very creative person. And uh, I, I'm curious to see this this performance and to see it uh, to see it live and to see it come come uh, to life in this way. I'm, I'm really curious to see this in person. So I'll, uh, I'll report back next week and let you know uh, what this what this uh, local Toronto performance of, uh, of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is like. Cool. All right. Well, I have a, I have a pick that there's actually a tweet that I just read online as we were recording. A friend of mine posted this. Um, and it, it says, when I was a kid, I literally thought that this little piggy went to market meant it went shopping. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> and, and I just, I, like, I never made the connection myself till just as I was reading this tweet. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I always thought that the little piggy was just going to go and get some, you know, veggies and some bread. And whoops. <laughs> no, no, I think it was a different type of market for that piggy. But Not it is a funny quite. one when you put yes. it in the context of playing with your fingers and toes, where you're like, so wait, one of my fingers is going to the slaughterhouse? Can it get severed? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, before my dog explodes, let's let's wrap up. Um, so that's it for another week. So, hey, Jonathan, people want to get in touch with you. Where would they find you? You can always find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram as at 
JPK News. And don't forget to tune in to the Canadian Health Information Podcast coming back with new episodes next week. Hi, hi. With new hosts. With new hosts named Avis Favreau on the English episodes and a new host named Elia Nyung on the French episodes. It's going to be good. There you go. There you go. And hi, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? I'm on Twitter is at Dev of the Hair. All right. My name is Tim Mitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. Until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. I, I now the dog's making me think I have to go into <laughs> nature. So. You got Jedi mind tricked by a dog, man. I got Jedi mind tricked by a dog. So let's call it, yep. and I'll talk to you guys next time. Sounds good. Okay, right, bye. See you guys. later. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.